Hello, welcome to episode 9 of Snap Trek, the Star Trek podcast where we compare two episodes of the galaxy's premier sci-fi franchise, Star Trek. I am one of your hosts, Ross, and I am joined by Jen. Hi, how's everybody doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing good. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I am once again very excited to be chatting about the two episodes we've got before us today. Uh I really enjoyed watching both of them. Me too. This, this, this was an interesting uh, matchup here. It was. Yeah. Very, very, very well. It was your idea, this one, so it was a pretty good one. Well, very I, impressive. I knew, we, I knew, I know you're a big fan of Leafy, so we, I am. Yeah, so I'm sure we'll talk about that. But uh, yeah, and Extreme Measures, uh, you know, it's a good matchup for it, but it's interesting because that's not one that I typically seek out you know to as an independent rewatch so no, no, it was part of the big eight exactly yeah so so that was it was interesting so okay. and it was also a good matchup to you know having this the section 31 aspect yes. to it you know even though this discovery episode didn't have that now that's you know section 31 is <laughs> relevant <laughs> we're, we're so deep track, into it and so. so in series two yeah yeah. Okay. Well, what I should oh, do. Oh, we didn't say what episode. Yeah, I should yeah. go back through and I'll do the whole bit. We compare the episodes using a variety of categories, and for each category, we select a scene or character or a prop or idea which we think is excellent, and we award a point to the answer we think is the best. Today, we are traveling deep into your psyche with a comparison of two episodes which invade the very depths of the mind. I was lucky enough to watch. Discovery Season 1, Episode 6, Lethe. And Jen, what did you watch? Uh, I, I got to watch uh, Deep Space Nine, Season 7, Episode 23, Extreme Measures. And obviously they are both about going into somebody else's mindscape and experiencing memories from their perspective and interacting with their thought processes so really ripe for comparison because they have such a similar premise um but actually two two quite different episodes with different themes and sort of different different sort of emotional resonances but both such good episodes but yeah and and it's interesting we're going into the minds of Sarek and the mind of Sloane which are two very different characters <laughs> but Completely and it's interesting because i guess they're they're both trying to I mean, the the purpose of going into their minds is similar too, because they're trying to save somebody. <laughs> you know, our heroes, Julian and uh, Michael. Yes, but in the one hand, they're they're trying to save Odo from Sloane, <laughs> right? Whereas Michael's trying to save Sarek <laughs> despite himself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is another interesting. You know, it's interesting the mind of a villain versus the mind, you know, of a, you know. Yes. Pull up character, <laughs> or at least I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't go into like a, the mind of someone on Deep Space Nine whom we know. Right. We didn't go into Odo's mind to search for the cure, which may have been a bit more interesting yeah. to go inside the Changeling's mind. But it was interesting enough to go inside the man who has inside the mind of the man who has so many secrets mm -hmm. and so much to hide, and essentially has lived two different lives: his Section Thirty One life right. and his his real life or such as it was from his perspective, it didn't seem that appealing, but man, they were so good. And yeah, you mentioned that it's not one you would routinely watch. And that's because it comes at, right at the end of series seven. And, you know, if you're going to watch it, you usually watch it in combo right? with six or seven other episodes. Yeah. You're like watching that whole uh, final arc, Yeah, you know? Yeah. The whole eight series yeah. arc. Eight, eight series, eight episode arc. And I, I mean, I haven't watched, I've watched all of Deep Space Nine, but I haven't watched it for, in some cases for years. And I'm waiting to do like a full on Deep Space Nine rewatch and just power through the whole thing. Do it. So I try and avoid watching Deep Space Nine episodes <gasps> oh, gotcha. where possible. So, so I'm not re spoiling it right. for myself. Um, but this was so good, and I, I had seen it, but I'd forgotten how good it was. As ever, we begin each podcast with a lyrical recap of the episodes under discussion. Uh, Jen, would you like to offer up your poem for this week? 
Okay. I uh, did a straight up limerick. Uh, and this is my limerick recap for Extreme Measures. With his friend Odo's health in decline, Julian drops 31 a fake line. They're the cause and the cure, but still no one is sure why Sloane's brain looks just like Deep Space Nine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. Oh, that's excellent. I, mean, I love I love the way they comment on that in the episode as well because yeah. they could have gone anywhere. They didn't have to film it on the set. They could have filmed it <laughs> literally anywhere. We wouldn't have known. I mean, the real reason his brain is on Deep Space Nine is because they wanted to save as much money as they could for you know for the finale for what yeah. you know for what you leave behind. That's the real reason. But I I do appreciate that they tried to give an in universe reason too. Yeah. <laughs> We're just trying to be polite to Julian and, and O'Brien. I thought you'd be comfortable with it. You know, more comfortable yours. And I and you and it's good Sloan that says that. Yeah. You know? So yes, it's sincere. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, it's a flimsy reason, but. <laughs> yeah, I was fine with it. I, I was like, well, it was, it was definitely going to be on Deep Space Nine. Uh, right, but, right. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, I have opted. I, I actually had a hard time doing this because, as you know, I absolutely love the episode Lethe. And yes. I didn't want to just, I don't want to disparage the limerick form of verse, but I didn't want to <laughs> just pare it down to a limerick. So I have written a, a, a few rhyming couplets to, 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 I don't know. To narrate the the episode, here we go. Great. To Cancri Four to stop the war, go Sarek the ambassador. A covert mission in a shuttle. Logic extremists try to scuttle. Burnham and Sarek, Carter combined, pulls Burnham into Sarek's mind. She finds an awkward situation at her science academy graduation. The expeditionary group declined. Two representatives of humankind. Sarek's given a stark option to choose Spock or to choose Burnham. This decision he'd soon regret, a choice that he cannot forget. And when Burnham visits Sarek's brain, he chooses to exist there again. Oh. <laughs> oh, that ending was lovely. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It was a nice one. I, I just I didn't want to go through the whole thing, but just yeah. that bit that that's the crux of the episode. Right. Man, I love the episode. So I'm glad that I was glad to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I, I I really like this episode too. I I love what it adds to what we already know, you know, about Sarek mm. and Spock. You know, in such an interesting way. For me, this was the this was the time that Discovery clicked as a prequel. Yeah, because I realized that if this is the kind of thing they're going to do with it then I'm all on board right. because that added so much to what we thought about the relationship between Spock and Sarah. Right. And it just worked so well. And the fact that it happened in such a brilliant episode, uh, it just pulled everything together for yeah, me. That's, that's exactly what Discovery's doing. It's, it's adding depth and layers to, you know mm. what I mean? To, to what we've already known, uh, like they, they did it again that, you know, we're currently in season two, um, what they're doing yeah. with Pike and it's, I, I just, I don't know how they managed to just keep building on this, you know, and it, it's, it's that so Pike lovely. episode. Oh. That was absolutely <laughs> immense. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I, I, I enjoyed both the plots, but they were completely different. So as we're recording this, the season two episode through the Valley of Shadows uh, just came out. So that's fresh on. <laughs> On our minds, so what they so did with Pike. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. So, Jen, for your first pick, what category should we uh, compare these two episodes on? Okay. Let's start with... Okay, let's start at the beginning. The best method of uh, entering someone's brain. <laughs> someone's what memories. a great category. We don't use this category enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a category that uh, that fits a, a lot of episodes. Um, <laughs> um, fits this these two. So my method of brain entry—it's a bit of a cheat because Burnham is being called out by Sarex Katra, which is, I think, very cool. And yeah, but they do use some technology to ensure the connection is being maintained. They use a synthetic mind meld augment. <laughs> And in Stamets' own words, it's groovy. <laughs> and 
There's a beautiful detail. (laughs) (laughs) There's a beautiful detail on the actual production of the device where when they place it on the face, I didn't notice this the first time I watched it. I only, only this time I noticed that when they place it on Burnham's face, actually little pads Mm -hmm. uh, akin to the same places that the fingers go on a person's face when a Vulcan's doing a mind melt. It's a nice little touch. Um, And so I I think the method of brain entry is, is classic. It's one we all know it's the Vulcan mind meld. Um, but it's got this synthetic cybernetic element to it, so it's pretty good. That's uh, my my method of brain entry. And the and the, the, the Katra thing's pretty cool, you know. Yes. <laughs> what I like about it is, and I've been watching a lot of original series at the moment, how they're just sort of delving deeper into what the Vulcan's sort of mental abilities yeah, are. Yeah. And actually, that was never just explained in one episode. And that was built up over a number of years, even into the films, with the idea of the Katra and the ability to transfer like a consciousness or a soul out of a out of a Vulcan into another vessel. Right. And right. this is just another I'm sort depressed. of level of detail into that. Yeah, yeah of yeah. course. Um, and this is just sort of another another level of detail into yeah. that. It's not like. You know, it's not like, oh, Vulcans all had wings all along or, you know, they can shoot lasers from their eyes. But it's just another thing they can do with their mind and yeah. actually seems perfectly normal. They should be able to do these kinds of things. I agree. I, f- I feel like they're adding to what we already know. They're not changing it or replacing it. They're adding to mm-hmm. it. You know, there's a difference. And, you know, you know, people that get mad that they're, you know, oh, we never knew that this was a thing. Well, <laughs> We didn't know everything, you know. Yeah, <laughs> this doesn't contradict uh, anything that you know. It, it's adding to it, you know, and it, it's building on it, and I, I really like that. Yeah. So, okay. What about then, you? What was your best method of entering a person's brain? <laughs> Who knew there were so many ways <laughs> to enter yeah. somebody's brain? <laughs> <laughs> well, we we have a, we have a little bit of a a little uh, naughty naughty way here because uh bashir is doing something illegal he got himself uh he's got his hands on a romulan memory scanner so he is using romulan mind probes and uh to uh, he was using those uh, originally to you know to get the cure out out of sloan before sloan tried to commit suicide um and then when that little you know, setback occurred. <laughs> he added a multitronic engromatic interpreter <laughs> to the mind probe. He had one of those lying around. <laughs> well, and uh, actually, O'Brien built rigged something up. O'Brien built it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they, they made use in this episode of you know Julian Bashir augment genius, and he's like, oh, you just rigged this up, and he basically told O'Brien what to do, and O'Brien yeah. <laughs> rigged this device up. <laughs> <laughs> that they could enter uh, Sloane's Sloan's mind um, in, in a visual way. You know what I mean? Uh, and, yes. um, and apparently he built two because <laughs> Bashir and O'Brien both went. So <laughs> good thing they had to, had to uh, use their inputs lying around. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's funny, it, you know, it's, it's, it's just, a, you know, a lot of, you know, techno babble gadgets, smug up and yeah. but, but it was because it's still funny. We really don't care how they get in as long as they well, get in. All exactly. we want to do is see them go into his mind. Exactly. Doesn't matter. Could have said anything. <laughs> right. But I thought it was a nice it was I thought it was a nice touch that it was illegal technology. Right. And obviously, you know, we know that the Romulans have some pretty nasty stuff uh lying around. So the fact that it's Romulan and you think actually I could imagine the Romulans using something like right, this. Right, right. That was a nice that was a nice little touch. And, and they, they that- did. They used it they yeah they used the mind they, we see the we've seen these before. Uh they use these mm-hmm. mind probes on Julian. Yes. Um in in the, the episode that's the Latin title that I <laughs> I don't have written down, so I can't, I can't say it properly. The no. inter inter silencia legis. Oh, yeah, don't know, <laughs> don't know it. But uh, yeah, so it's a nice little callback to that too. All right, wow. as far as points go, where where's your point going? What's your what's your preferred method of entering somebody's brain? <laughs> I think if I was going to have my brain entered. 
I'd, I'd rather not be using any sort of Romulan technology. I would yes. much rather some sort of, uh, you know, natural mind meld. And even, you know, if it has to be augmented slightly because, you know, half the people are lost in space and uh, dying. I think I'd rather go for the way that that Michael and Sarek connect rather than how Bashir and Sloane connect. Yeah, my my point's also going to Discovery on this one. Um, I I like how it builds on, on, you know, what we already know Mm. about Katras and and Vulcans and everything. I I find it really interesting. And and this is a method that only, I mean... Michael can do because of her special connection to Sarek. It's not something that yes. anybody can do versus the, you know, the mind probes is like, we, we basically, you know, yeah. had a wep- used a weapon on you that, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, we have these mind probes lying around. Right. <laughs> I could go into anyone's mind, see, yeah. see what's going on. So yeah. So my point is also going to leave you on this one. Okay. Well, now that we've, uh, now that we're inside, each other's brains. Uh, I'm going to ask you for what's the best line of this episode. Okay, so my best line for extreme measures actually uh, has to do with the 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 what we we're talking about the uh, Romulan mind probes. Mm. Um, actually, so it goes along with that. So basically, Julian has Sloane on the table, like he, you know, he lured him there, he phasered him, and brought him to the science lab. And now he's going to, you know, hook him up to the mind probes. And uh, Julian says, you know, he says, Romulan mind probes, they aren't the most pleasant of devices, but they're very efficient. And Sloan says, they're also illegal in the Federation. And Julian, this and this is my pick for best line. Julian says, oh, I hope you can appreciate the irony of that statement. <laughs> very good. And, and I like, I really love this scene because this is, this gets to the heart of you know the whole debate about section 31 in in general like like where do you draw the line mm. you know like what makes section 31 evil i i mean here they're okay they they perform a little bit of light genocide you yeah. know, in this episode so obviously that's over the line and they're evil but uh and you can argue that you know julian you know stealing an illegal mind probe you know and kidnapping sloan in this case, might be justified. Yeah, it's illegal, but it's not that illegal. Yeah, so the line, I guess, may be somewhere in between that, and you know, and where do you draw the line, and what makes like you know, like is 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 even Julian what what Julian did something Section Thirty One would do? You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, but they, um, I, I just but that that is the ahead. case, isn't it? Because they know that he would actually be a good Section Thirty One candidate. You know, they, they right. decide that he he probably is thinking along those lines as a doctor. Right. Where he's having to make judgments about be- you know what's the best course of action, what's going to cause the least amount of harm. He probably already has that kind of mindset that they're looking for to help make these covert decisions or these okay. complex decisions. Yes, that's that is a nice a nice little a nice little touch for them. Yeah, because it you know there are there are several doctors on the show who wouldn't do that, like who would never. I mean, Julian kidnapped the guy and is is basically p- performing this evasive, you know, mind. <laughs> probe against his will you know which is something so, that... so much illegal stuff is going on here and they, 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 yeah and unethical yeah and, and they, men- they mention and... it to you know they've been planning it for a little while when they mention it to cisco <laughs> they're like oh we've got we o'brien's like we should tell cisco and cisco's like i don't know he tells them off but doesn't tell them off too much and Right, he's like he's like this is a illegal and unethical, but I'll allow it. Not just a bit, <laughs> not just a bit illegal. Every aspect of it is illegal. Right. You no, know, <laughs> yeah. you're lying to the Federation. You're going to kidnap someone. You're going to use illegal technology on them to invade their mind, which is illegal right. and unethical in every sense. But you are trying to stop a genocide, so right. But, and that's it. That's this. You know, that's why that's Section Thirty One's justification, isn't it? Exactly. And that's why I find them endlessly fascinating as a plot device, you know, because you could say, you could say, oh, the Federation wouldn't do any of the stuff that Section 31 does, you know, and that's fine. But, you know, the strict adherence to, you know, to not doing anything the least bit shady 
you know, might also be like, like, like you could argue that he, he, him, him having the opportunity to do this and not doing this, it would be like, even worse, even yeah. worse you know, because uh, we're talking about genocide here and, and, and you know, and, and then just section 31 in general, obviously being, having no oversight <laughs> whatsoever is you, 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 it leads to things like this, like Sloan and, and them, uh, and, and the whole section 31, uh, genocide plan which is obviously horrible and mm. wrong and you know but you can imagine that section 31 also does more benign things that might benefit you know yeah. the federation and like as as julian did you know but i guess you're right too that julian that's why julian they wanted to recruit yeah. julian as a section 31 agent because he he's willing to do exactly. this kind of thing so it it's i just so in that one in that one little exchange there, I thought I thought it really, you know, kind of brought up the whole why I think Section Thirty One. That, so that has a nice sort of broad aspect to it. Your choice, very good. Uh, for my for my best line, I had two that I thought I had two lines which I thought were stand out. Both of them I found them to be quite funny. Um, one was from Cornwell uh, when she first arrives on Discovery. She's giving a dressing down to Lorca. And she says, what the hell do you think you're doing? I thought Terrell was going to have a fit. And he's a damn Vulcan. And I thought that, I thought that was funny. <laughs> I, I like that line too, because I think he's secretly a Romulan, he, that guy. I have zero evidence for that, but he just has that air of like something, something else is going on with him. Patrick Discovery writers, <laughs> this was Jen's idea. <laughs> <laughs> So I love that line. That's a great <laughs> line. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. The line uh, I is picked funny. is as part of Stamets, Stamets's conversation uh, where he's sort of explaining uh, how they're going to do the sort of the uh, augmented mind meld. And he he says, first of all, I've got to say this Kartra stuff is way cool. An uncharted <laughs> superhighway connecting all of consciousness and life. And then Lorca immediately follows up with this line, which is the line. He says, we have exactly no time to discuss the metaphysical <laughs> implications. And, it was just, and that was it. That was the end of it. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> because, That's such a Lorca thing to say. Yeah. Too. <laughs> this is massive. In the last 10 minutes, they've just found out the Vulcans have a soul. And it is, it's a spiritual <laughs> slash physical entity which can be transmitted to other people. And he's like, we haven't got time to talk about this. Can you take right. this out? <laughs> it's just a mad one track. <laughs> like, he just wants to win no. the war. I don't care no. about anything else. Uh, and it was very and he funny. wants Michael to be safe. He cares about that. That's all Oh, yeah. Do you know what? That, <laughs> that, was one of the, that was one of the clues. That little scene in the shuttle yes. when, she, when he's telling Ash, uh, you know, bring her back without a scrap. Bring her back. Oh. Or don't come back at all. Why, I was like, why does he care so much about Michael? What the hell? Oh. And then it's like, it's because he, he knows know. about her already. <laughs> He's already got a connection to her. Um, right. But I thought that was a very funny line. Yeah, and I thought really for something which is so huge, and we do spend the rest of the the rest of the episode essentially inside this metaphysical implication. So mm. I thought it was funny that he would just try and cut them off. Um, but really, he's just cutting off Stamets from just going off on a wild, you know, Thor, Cloud, Train, Spider, just throwing out his crazy ideas. But it was very funny. It's funny. And Mushroom Stamets is... <laughs> Shrooming Stamets is hilarious. We might talk about Shrooming Stamets a bit later on. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good pick. Though. I like that. Okay. Where's your point, Gummy? I think... My, you know, my 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 choices are funny and they make me laugh. But your choice, it seems, it's it's perfectly encapsulates the idea of the episode, and then also has this lot of broad reach because we're deep in the middle of what Section Thirty One are doing right now, um, when they're much more visible, and maybe we're seeing what happened to them to make them become so ethereal. You know, right. they're not. You know, by the twenty fourth century, they're not something that has offices or starships. But they used to be. They used to be this big organization. Obviously, what we've seen now is that control takes control of them. Uh, so whether that, whether that, <laughs> how this pans out, I don't know. But I, I imagine this results in them being sidelined or pushed, you know, pushed under the rug, and then something much more insidious right. developing in its wake, which is hard to imagine given what we know about them already. Mm. 
So my point, my point goes to you. Yeah, my 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 point goes to uh, extreme measures on this one too. But I'm I'm wondering if it does make it better because it does. I, it does make it better based on what's happening mm. now in Discovery. It makes it an even better line, you know, like you were ta- saying. Uh, let's get into Section Thirty One. Who knew Section Thirty One would become such a an important part of Trek. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Besides j- just Deep Space Nine, you know, I, me- I remember being really tickled when they were um, part of the Kelvin movies. Yes. Uh, into Dark- when it was in- Admiral Marcus. Into Darkness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That really tickled me. And I, I like that it, you know, I always I thought they were, because I was watching it when this first came out, I was a teenager and I immediately liked the idea of section 31, not as a, an organization, but as a, mm-hmm. as a plot device and as a, as a nemesis. Right. Um, that's how I feel. Like they're yeah. obviously bad people. Like that's not, <laughs> but it doesn't mean I don't want them to exist, you know, to not exist in, in the universe. Yeah. You know? I think they're a really, I agree with you. I like them as a, as an antagonist. I think they're a great foil and I've really right. enjoyed having, you know, the same story played out from their perspective as well. It's mm-hmm. been it's been quite interesting to watch on Deep Space. Oh, Deep Space Nine on Discovery. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I am. So I'm quite excited for the last couple of episodes. Me too. Two more. Ep- when we're recording this, there's two more episodes of Discovery in season two. Yes, and I can't wait. <laughs> um, okay, uh, your choice. Okay, uh, category three. Let's go for. Oh, uh, let's do let's do the best medical techno babble. Okay, or as I say, medno babble. Medno babble. It's nice because <laughs> there's some there's some good opportunity in both these episodes for some good medno babble. <laughs> medical techno babble. Uh, All right. So, I I absolutely loved. When I've talked about Stamets in all of my picks now, but this is a Stamets line. Stamets is techno babble. Um, it's techno babble with a spiritual twist presented through the lens of Stamets's, you know, mushroom high, and it just sounds great. <laughs> and he's just like wrapped up in this idea that they can they can transmit uh, Burnham's signal out to Sarek wherever he is in the nebula, and he's like, sure, why not? We boost your neural impulses to reconnect with his Kartra, then pump those same signals into your noggin, and voila, Sarek vision. <laughs> I was like, that's it. Sarek vision. That's the thing about oh, That's amazing. So I, I just thought that was such. And actually, the rest of the episode was, was actually fairly techno babble light. That was as strong as it got. Yeah. Um, but it was really nicely done. And it was nice to have a little twist on just your classic techno babble, which is just strings of long words, mm-hmm. which don't, you know, don't necessarily have to mean anything, but sound like they could work together. Um, but this, this is strings of other words that you don't often hear in Star Trek. Noggin, voila, Sarek vision. <laughs> and just the way he says it, it just works so nicely. So I thought it was nice medno babble. Yes. Yeah, Sarek vision, especially. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great- I I love tripping Stamets. He's so funny. He's, he's I would I would well remember that one scene where him and him and uh, Reno, um, and it was a different episode where, where they um, they were getting they were hallucinating from spores. Yeah. I can't remember yes. the details, but but uh, <laughs> but I'd I'd love to see more interactions like that with those two. Who in particular, I think would be a good, uh, <laughs> good match, but um, but yeah, that's that's. And an Stamets is definitely on a downer at the moment. He's he's in a very low place. Poor Stamets. Uh, I feel so yeah. bad for Stamets now. He's in a tough place. <laughs> but you know they'll they'll have their space and they'll find their way back to each other. This isn't so. a discovery podcast. We've got we've got we've got to move it up. <laughs> <laughs> when discovery goes I'm back into the waves, I'm getting not like. Right, it's not like on the forefront of our minds, but but as of right now, that's really all I can think about. <laughs> oh no, that's funny. Well, let, let me get my pick going then. We'll we'll move away from Discovery back to Deep Space Nine. Um, so my pick is when um, so Sloane takes his or or triggers the um, 
whatever he triggers in his brain that that uh, commits suicide for him to commit suicide. Um, and then, you know, Julian decides to rig up this, uh, you know, multitronic and grammatic interpreter oh. <laughs> uh, to enter the brain. And uh, and he says he says the neural interface. He's trying to explain it to Chief O'Brien. And what's happening, you know, and he says, the neural interface will then provide the basic pattern into my hippocampic nuclei. It's like, will it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is just, sounds like nonsense to me. Like, like, why just the nuclei? Then what, like, are you, so you have like a magic nucle- nuclei in your brain that you could just hook this thing into and it will, <laughs> you know, deliver the Sarac vision, the Sloan vision. <laughs> okay. But, um, but it, the reason I picked that one in particular is because, um, they they kind of just acknowledge the fact that it's just mendo babble, you know, nonsense. Uh, Chief O'Brien says, "You've explained it to me three times, and I still don't get it." And uh, Julian says, "You'll just have to trust me, Chief." Yeah, <laughs> it's like fine. I don't care. You're going in their brain. Nothing you can say is going to make technical sense. So just yeah. go, just that's, do it, <laughs> and I'm fine with that. that. Yeah, the, the the best method of brain entry as well, because it is just like <laughs> the main crux of this is we're going into his mind. It doesn't right. matter how we get there. Right. Exactly. In one in one yeah. scene we're arranged to go in, in the next scene we're in. It doesn't exactly. matter. <laughs> right. So. It was funny when he said you've explained it to me three times. I love <laughs> But it's funny too, because it's kinda like, okay, well, Julian you know, augment Julian, you know, they really started playing up towards the end, his augmentation and, and how he's like this super genius mm-hmm. and they made use of that here. And that's fine. Like, okay. Super genius. Julian rigged up this brain entry thing. Okay. I'm on board. <laughs> you know? I don't need the details. <laughs> as long as it works. And it did work. Right. And it did. Yeah. Um, so points wise, I am, I think I'm going to stick with with Sarek Vision because I love the word Sarek Vision. I love the way Tamat <laughs> said all that, all this sort of crazy, crazy nonsense. So I'm going to stick with his version of Medno Babble. Um, but I appreciated, I appreciated the O'Brien opinion on this as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's no way my point is not going to chill Stamets. I love <laughs> chill Stamets. He's getting my point. <laughs> okay, I'm to rearrange so... other responses for the rest. Of the- <laughs> <laughs> So uh, right now, uh, Lethe has four points and Extreme Measures has two. Okay. Okay. What's our next category? Best scene in someone's brain. Okay. So best scene in someone's brain for Extreme Measures. So there was several good choices here. Um, The one that I for honor the one I do want to talk about for an honorable mention it's not the one I picked cuz I'll, t- I'll explain why but um there's a, there's a one scene where um Julian and Miles kind of have a heart to heart so they they're you know going around the the corridors trying to find the cure and and they get um attacked with a phaser uh, you know and and mm-hmm. and Julian gets surprised that it actually hurts and um and then uh, you know, he sees Miles sees Julian gets hurt, gets hurt, and he goes after the guy, and and then he gets phasered too. So, so now it's Miles and Julian just hurt, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just l- laying in the corridor, and they have a, a little heart to heart about their bromance, and it's 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 an interesting scene. I, I like that they took the time to have a scene about that, um, but it gets a little bit. It gets a little bit strange. They really push it. They really push it. Yeah, they really push it because it, 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 on the one hand, it's, it's really nice that they have, like, because there are a few times in the other episodes where they kind of get up close to, like, you know, talking about how much they mean to each other. And, it, you know, but O'Brien, you know, O'Brien's kind of like a closed off kind of guy. So this, I think, was the scene they were trying to get him to finally mm-hmm. open up about, you know, his relationship with Julian, which is good. But then, the, but they go, like, like he, at the one, at one point he says he says I love Keiko but I like you more, <laughs> <laughs> and that's the one that just like pushes it over the edge for me. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's like I, like this is, this is an odd conversation um, to have, but um, 
but I, I like that they had the conversation at all, you know, and quite honestly, I would be very interested in seeing a, um, a Miles Julian Garrick love triangle arc. <laughs> <laughs> Personally. Did Miles, did Miles ever get jealous of the fact that they have a lunch together? It must have happened in one episode. Cause that, that's the thing to me like they just get it they just like they they do that a lot to like they make Keiko uh, well, but that line I, I didn't like that line because it made it seem like Keiko was it was at fault somehow yes yeah. exactly like it was you know like Keiko was just nagging no I, I thought that so I felt like I felt like Keiko was getting a bit of a short yeah, yeah like so so I wanted to mention that scene because I thought it was interesting that they did that but I couldn't pick it because you know because it just went a little just went like a couple steps too far you know what I mean no, I, I appreciate what you're saying, though. It was nice they actually had that conversation. Yeah, it was acknowledged. Yeah. Because it is one of the, the great friendships of Star Trek right. when, you know, they really do emphasize their friendship sometimes and also how well it plays out from them initially not liking each other or certainly Miles not liking Bashir. Right, yeah. Like they started out the, the way they started out to where they ended up. Yeah. You know, it was amazing. Like, amazing. Yeah, nobody liked Bashir at the very beginning, did they? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. unique to Miles. <laughs> That's a good point. But um, but so the scene I picked actually um actually uh shows their their friendship um as well, but in a different way. The scene that I love is the scene towards the end where uh they figure out um uh, where Sloane is keeping the memory. So they go to and this is in Sloane's office where he has all these files, you know, it's a secret files about section 31 and like all the, the secrets that he knows are contained in, in, you know, these massive piles of, of, you know, papers and things. Um, it's the last little bit of, you know, cat and mouse, you know, with, with uh, Sloan before his, you know, before he's actually brain dead. Um, and, you know, they find the cure and I like that they, they just, oh, here's the cure. <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah, it was. And they write off the, you know, the sequence of, of nucleotides they needed or whatever it was. And, um, but then that's not the end. Like, that wasn't the point of the scene. The point was then Sloan knew how to push Bashir's buttons to, you know, offer him all this information to try to keep him there long enough so that he would die and, and the cure would die with him. And, um, and Julian kind of falls for it. Yeah. But, who doesn't fall for it is O'Brien. And I, th- I really like the way they made that scene about how, how they're different and how they can, you know, how they have different strengths and together, you know, they were able to defeat Sloan mm. and it was only miles being like shaking them out of it, you know, <laughs> um, that they were able to, you know, escape before, you know, Sloan was brain dead. So I, I think that was a really and cool just- scene. And just wondering what, What's in all these papers? Well, that's you what, know, like what kind of secrets? I mean, the, the guy was dedicated. I, I rem- I was surprised when I rewatched it for this podcast that he killed himself at the very beginning, because when I saw his teeth yeah. starting to click, I was like, oh my god, he's got like a cyanide capsule in there or something. Obviously, he had something much more technical right. in there, he had a button which switched his <laughs> brains off. Um, 20, 21st yeah, exactly. century equivalent. Um, but I was, I was like, wow, dedication to this idea. He is literally just going to kill himself so they can't go in. And, you know, they're not bad people. They're trying to stop a genocide. You're going to kill yourself to stop them. Amazing. Um, and it just shows what a master manipulator is as well. When even at the, the yeah. door of his death, he is right there. He sat in a, in a, a metaphysical office convincing a mental invader to die with him he, you know even at the very last he's not trying to he's not worried about his own life or he's not trying to save himself right. he's, he is only concerned with protecting these secrets he's willing and, go ahead yeah he's concerned with protecting these secrets and taking them to the grave right he'd rather kill himself julian and miles than prevent this genocide <laughs> you know like that's like as evil as you can get like it's, evil to the core it's crazy it's so weird but he also obviously really believes it and right that kind of horrible really- mindset is yeah. just it's the most unpleasant thing to think about right mm. yeah yeah so that that's my pick best scene it's it's a great scene uh and it's certainly the scene i'd have thought of when i was thinking of yeah. the best scene because i i got a real uh x-files vibe when yeah you know, 
yeah. when he's like in, in a room and suddenly all the answers are there. And I'm like, God, he could find out something amazing. But there's no time he's going to die. Yeah. And he, and he has, a, has a cool line too. He's, he's like, there is no headquarters to Section 31. It's all here in my mind. You yeah. know? <laughs> like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> like, you know? It, it is good. Uh, and that's what makes it so sinister and so yeah, um, just insidious. Oof. Insidious, yes. Right. <laughs> Best scene in someone's brain for Lethe. Um, and I have been remiss really because I've not really talked about what happens in Sarek's brain. So I, yes, because that's the crux of the episode. And I've picked the scene mm-hmm. which really just brings the entire episode together. It's massive, it's an enormous scene. Um, it's the scene where Sarek finally relents and shows Burnham how the events played out. Uh, at the Vulcan Science Academy on the day of her graduation when she was expecting to be uh, offered a place at the Vulcan Expeditionary Group. It cuts from them engaging in uh, the Vulcan martial arts. I looked it up, Sus Manar. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it cuts to the two Vulcans, Sarek and the Expeditionary Group leader, discussing the integration of humans into Vulcan society and you know, how it's been an experiment from Sarek's perspective and how proud he is of Michael. And uh, then you get this absolute awful choice that he's offered by the Vulcan Expeditionary Group leader where he is essentially saying, I won't have more than one human or more than even more than one non-Vulcan in the Vulcan. I hate that guy. And what a horrible choice. And at the time, I thought, God, you know, what a horrible thing to do. But I, I, now I think about it, I think I know what I would do if I was in that position. But then it's so easy to think that, isn't it? Because you're not in that position. You know, I have my opinion of how I dealt with it. But maybe that's because I'm a parent and I'd be like, I'd be kicking things off left and right. I don't know. I'd be going mental. Right. Um, but the Sarek calmly accepts this judgment. Uh, whereas I would not be calmly accepting a judgment like that. Right, right. I'd, be, I'd be... You have emotions. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and I think I'd like to think that, first of all, I would, you know, I, I'd, I'd let Burnham have the place she's earned. And then right. I'd seek to make sure that when Spock wanted to go, we got him in anyway on his own merits. And, you know, made the system realise it was wrong. But it didn't happen like that. I mean, there's no point in me saying all this stuff. It was really a crazy hardcore choice. You could see the discomfort on Sarek's face. And then it cuts back to Sarek and Burnham discussing the role of logic and the expression of emotion and why was it not worth, you know, how, how badly he felt, or not how badly he felt, how, how, how he regretted the decision. And then he collapses in a pool of green blood, and that's the end of it. So much happens. Martial arts, Vulcan discussion... The, the the big reveal, Sarek and Burnham, Sarek collapses. It's a huge scene. The whole episode hinges on it. It changes Star Trek, you know, the perception of Spock and the perception of the perception of Sarek going back fifty years. It's it's wonderful. I loved it. I love I love the idea that this is his memory like like this this is what he most regrets in his life you know when he's dying this is this is what, but yeah. but then you know i don't want to give sarek too much credit either though like just would he have still felt this way if it had worked out the way he wanted to and spock ended up going into the you know into the vulcan group yeah or you know instead of picking you know choosing to go to starfleet um, I don't know. I wonder if you might feel worse even though, if you know, because it, Vulcans suppress emotions; they right. still feel them. And I wonder if these are the kind of this kind of deceit. I think it's the kind of thing that plays on a person. You know, that that, that kind of guilty conscience. It's hard. It's it's hard to just ignore. That. And he's he has to feel guilty too um, for not telling Michael. Obviously, what happened. You mm-hmm. know. Um, but he says he didn't even he didn't know how that affected her until later. But uh, I don't believe that. You don't, I, mean, I I no I didn't I thought that was uh, another sort of that's the Vulcan mask I thought 
all the real emotion was displayed in the in the brain that's interesting i i find sarah like very distant i could see him not i could see him having emotions but maybe not understanding other people's emotions like that but i do but the one thing i do think is he knew better than to tell amanda what happened and that he probably had some guilt about too you know what i mean about too amanda Mm -hmm. would have done like you said amanda would have went you know, mama yeah, bear on it out. and flipped out yeah. on them, <laughs> which probably would have made the case worse because then they would have been like, "Oh yeah, look, seeing a human. <laughs> this is why human we can't causing problems. This, right? Yeah. This is why we can't have a human. You know." <laughs> but um, but you would have been right. You know. But um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's it's an amazing scene that adds, like you know, like we've been saying, it adds another layer to to the onion of uh you know, or peeling back another layer of, an, of the onion of, um, of, you know, what we are, what we, you know, adding to what we already knew. And it's, it's a wonderful scene. It is. I think the, the, the aesthetic of it is really beautiful as well. Mm-hmm. So the actual setting of the scene, yes. um, it, that sort of the filter they use, everything's really that sort of stark whitey yellow. Mm-hmm. And then the red of the leaves really pops. The Vulcans all look really great. It's, sort of, it's classically Vulcan. Uh, you know, it could have come from any series. Vulcan looks like that. Looks so good. Um, yeah, and and they make it. They really make it look like a memory without it being too, yeah. like bl- like they don't make it blurry and echoey. You know what I mean? That's not like that's not how they chose to make it look like a memory. They 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 like um, they like softened everything. Yeah way you know what i mean and it looks really good and it's sort of that occasional ethereal cut from where he's part of the memory to he's talking to burnham yes that's that's nice and that works works really well yeah yeah so yeah that was my best scene in somebody's brain (laughs) i'm a little torn on my points here Hmm. i think I think for me, I do like the scene you picked because I, I you know, it's this. I think it's the scene I would have picked if I was, uh, if I was, if I had extreme measures to watch. But I just think the 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 Sarek reveal, you know, I, I was I was literally like heart in my mouth watching this. I was like, oh, I can't believe that was. It. I can't believe he said that. I can't believe that's what he did, and it just you know, unfolded their relationship for me. So the the emotional resonance alone, I've got to gotta give my point to it. You know, I have to agree my points going to to Lethe on this one too. Um because yeah, because that you know that happens and you're like, oh no. Like oh no, I know what Spock did with this choice you made and how this all everything you did was, you know, for nothing and mm-hmm. <laughs> and you made this choice and oh and there's so many things he could have done instead, you know, like there are so many things he oh could have done. Oh my gosh! And but you know, once he's committed, he very quickly committed to the yeah, deception. Yeah. Once he's committed to that, there's no going back. Right. You know, there were, and for a diplomat, I thought he'd have considered other courses of action. But maybe he, maybe he already considered them and he excluded them. Maybe he knew there was no way he could convince this uh well, and the and the guy i hate that the the, the jerk i hate that guy yeah like who who would have someone who would make someone make that decision first of all mm. like what a jerk but also yeah. i mean he and the, and he, he like goads sarek about it too he's like oh uh you're having seems like you're having an emotional reaction to yeah. this decision you know as but, but- they're really, it was really an enterprise Vulcan. That's a real enterprise yes, Vulcan. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That scene. Oh, so Ooh. good. Yeah. Oh, so well. Good. All right. So we've got, wow, Disco has six and Deep Space Nine has two. Well, Oof. you know, I don't know, unless we're going to award multiple points to uh, <laughs> if your choice, it could be amazing. And we're like, we're going to avoid bonus points. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if we can make it a bit more uh, respectable okay. of a defeat. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Let's see. So final category, best moment of regret. Best moment of regret. So... 
I didn't pick the obvious moment of regret, which is the one which Sarek presumably feels for for lying to Burnham and Amanda. Um, I picked, There was a couple of other ones which popped up. Uh, I considered there's that moment immediately after Lorca and Cornwell wake up in bed together and Lorca <laughs> pulls a phaser on her. And his regret is immediate and observable. Like, I have made a massive mistake. And then Cornwell absolutely flips out because she's made a massive mistake as well. And then she wraps it into this sort of assessment, you know, this mental assessment of him and his capacity to run a starship. But then both of them have just made some pretty massive errors in that, in that 15 second bit. Uh, And they, they were pretty good. Uh, but not the not the one I chose. The, the well, Lorca only regrets that he was given the game away. Oh that yeah, he, that he wasn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't. Re- <laughs> he doesn't regret doing it. it it's exactly what he, he doesn't regret done. pulling the no. phaser on. Yeah, no. it's just like oh, now she's going to realize I'm not. He, he's probably mildly relieved he didn't shoot her, and then have to figure yeah, out yeah. some sort of cover <laughs> up. Exactly. Um, which he got in his own way in the end, anyway. Which is you know uh, we we've, we've not discussed the B plot of this really at all, uh, but. That is the way it winds up on Cancri Four, and him yeah. sending her out there after after having watched Knowing the exactly what he's doing. yeah after having watched the reveal the the Sarek Burnham reveal, and then you get this and you're like, oh my god, he's just sending her off, and he knows she's not going to make it. He knows. <sighs> he knows it's a trap. Oh man, uh, Lorca. Yeah, and he <laughs> he has no regret. So I <laughs> can't. That that's that scene. I mean. The stuff with Cornwell um, really makes me um, even more interested in seeing Prime Lorca. Yes. Because the way she talks about him and the memory she has with him, um, you know, make me make me think that he's he's a pretty decent guy. And, and I'd love to see that eventually. And I think we will. I, I think we will as well. Um, Although if he's been yeah. in the Mirror Universe all this time, he could have been there. Who knows yeah. where he is? Yeah. We, I, I look forward to finding this out. Me too. I hope we do. <laughs> not, a, not a discovery podcast. Not a discovery. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My my best moment of regret is a really really brief scene in the very beginning of the episode. It's not the cold open, I don't think, uh, where Lorca and Tyler are in the sort of oh, the hol- hologram so. scenario. Yeah. Lorca and Ash are in sort of the pseudo holodeck gun range fighting the Klingons and Lorca is checking, you know, sort of checking Tyler out, checking out his backstory, sort of grilling him. And there's one brief moment where Tyler mentions that his mother died in a shuttle accident en route to the moons of Grazer. And it was her first vacation in 12 years. And it was just sort of a, a sad little detail that, it just seems so, you know, she died in an accident and now she's gone. And just just a really, like, a regret that I haven't got my mum, a regret that she didn't enjoy her holiday, a regret that it just seems so so pointless. So that was a just a little moment of regret, which I thought was, you know, sad and uh, worth mentioning. A very human moment mm. for Tyler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, the whole story is sad. Yeah, that's a good one. What was your? Uh, well, I suppose the, we shouldn't call it the best moment of regret, should we? Yeah, we call it it's not the, like the, the most regrettable moment of regret. Most regrettable or yeah, saddest moment. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So, but for so extreme measures, um, there's a whole scene about Sloane's regrets. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I wanted to talk about here. And this is, he's gathered all his loved ones at a party um, in the Deep Space Nine wardroom yeah. <laughs> for whatever it's reason, where, you know, where they go. For, uh, <laughs> for budgetary reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the party's in Deep Space Nine. Um, but it's it's everybody that he's loved and um, and he gives a speech about how sorry he is, you know, um, for the secrets and lies and spending all his time working. 
Um, and you know, his, his, his wife is there and his children, his parents, his friends. And, and the sad thing about this moment is his death is it, by having it as like a speech at a, at a party. It's like his death is a celebration, you know, mm. like he's, he's releasing them, you know, from him and, and he's being released too from having to live this, you know, double life. And, um, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's nice to see that there is a part of Sloan that was still very human, you know, that was still, mm. you know, it's still good. You know, of course that part, of Sloan gets killed by the section 31 part of him very soon <laughs> at, yeah. at, towards the end of that scene. Uh, that was a really shot by section. Yeah. Sloan. To, to lose that part of yourself in that fashion was, I thought it was a pretty, pretty sad thing to happen to him. And that yeah. was that, you know, to have the good bit of you literally murdered by the bad part of you. Right. And even just, that, even just knowing that that part was there for Sloan, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, and we're, we're going back to the greater, you know, arc of Section Thirty-One. You know, was Sloane redeemable or not? You know what I mean? You know, what is? I hate to go back to being the disco podcast, but you know, is you know, Georgiou, uh redeemable? Is you know what I mean? And and it's it's really interesting. I, I, yeah. I thought that scene was it was interesting to put that scene in. I thought it was. Uh... I thought it was particularly sad as well because it didn't really happen. It was, right. it's all happening inside his own mind, and the only people who are there to witness it are two people who probably don't care all that much. Right. Oh, that makes it sadder too. Yeah. People, his, yeah. The people who really need to hear it or would have benefited from hearing it will never hear it and will never know. Right. It. Yeah. He's just not going to come home. No. And, you know, and Section 31 isn't going to like, nope. You know, go to his wife and give her closure and say, we're sorry he was killed in the line of duty. No. You know, she's just going to have to wonder for the rest of her life what happened to him, you know, but oh, that's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> it was a really sad scene. Uh, and I thought just oh. having it shot, having that good part of him, the part that wanted yeah. to help the part that was trying to tell them the nucleotide sequence. Um, right. But I guess that was his non section 31 part, the, the section 31 part of him, which was doing his job was not going to tell them. And, you know, right. the, the family guy had been completely buried at that point, I suppose. Oh, God, I'm feeling, I'm feeling regret now as well. Yeah, like this person's trying to cover up a genocide and we're, you know, <laughs> and they still managed to, you know, for one moment, have him to be sympathetic. Yeah. You know what I mean? At least in that one moment, <laughs> that one scene. <laughs> so it's really interesting they were able to do that. Oh. And I think that's why they were able to do it is because they were able to separate him into two yeah. people, basically. You know, if this was just, if we didn't know there was two Sloans, you know, just the one Sloan making the speech, you might think that it was, he was just doing it for show. Like it yeah. wasn't real. You know what I mean? He was just doing it for Julian and, and Miles' benefit. But because it was, there were two Sloans and that, you know, quote unquote good side, you know, bit the dust. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right after he said all that nice stuff, then and I was, was, I was honest, glad that they know. all disappeared as well, and no one had to stand around going, "Where are we? What? Yeah. Where, where did you bring us to? Yeah, <laughs> what's going on?" Um, yeah, I think if we're going to talk about the points of this, my my scene is small and it has that sort of tugs at your heart moment, but actually, your your scene does that, but a lot more. And you know, I, f I feel a lot more. I feel a lot more regret. It's a bigger regret uh, having watched that scene. So I would definitely give my point to to Sloane's Sloane's speech. Yeah, I'm going to give my point to Sloane's speech too. Um, but but your but your your I'd like your scene too. Um, I like it because you know I, I'll, for, I'll I'll freely admit I love Ash Tyler and I love Ash and Michael. <laughs> And I, I'm partial to this episode because it's the start of of their relationship. You know, like this, they meet in this episode. Yeah. Um, but I, it, him knowing the backstory of him, you know, never knowing his dad and his mom being gone, you know, um, kind of help. You know, it's just another way too that he can relate to Michael. You know, obviously what happened yeah. to her. You know, it's not the same thing. Obviously, what happened, to, you know, to her um, was a lot 
you know, tragic on a, on a different sort of scale, but, um, but it, that's just another way that they can connect. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm going with oh. Sloan. Sloan, man. Yeah. <laughs> We've really ended this episode. Right now, I know we, should, we should have had this be the first category. <laughs> yeah. Mental- we, did all, we got all the funny bits yeah, out of right. the way at the very beginning. <laughs> mental note, do the funny stuff towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> Next time. We'll have like techno babble will be our final category. <laughs> For now well, uh, if, if we were choosing other but, categories, what categories do we think do you think there could have been that you would have scored some points? Scored some points. That sounds really rude. <laughs> what categories what categories do you think uh you may have uh won some more points with? Um, let's say. I had a thought for uh best guest alien, uh the elders of Cancri Four. They were a weird looking bunch. Yes. Uh, I was disappointed they didn't say anything. Uh, but I, I appreciated the visual. Yeah. And the other thing was uh, best best prop. The Vulcan Expeditionary Group leader had a spear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I thought that was pretty awesome. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I also, for, for Lethe, best uh, introduction between two characters. That's the second meeting of Michael and Ash, which I love when he, you know, the, because the first time they meet, it's kind of a disaster because mm-hmm. they shake hands and then she has her. Oh, yeah. You know, seizure, yeah. Her uh, seizure. And, um, but then the second time, you know, she walks in the cafeteria and I love it. He just, he just pushes the chair out for her with his boot, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, which is so cute. And then they have their second meeting. They have a pretty good conversation, a pretty, you know, it goes along with what we were talking about with with Ash's moment of regret. You know, they kind of talk about parents and family and and trying to sort through all the emotions yeah. and and it's such a lovely scene. It is a good scene. And, maybe, and also, there's the. I mean, we're going back to the the sad scenes now, but the scene in uh, Extreme Measures where Kira and Odo say goodbye, potentially. For the last oh time. my god, we didn't even talk, we didn't talk about, about that. that. And that is like a real oh. tear jerking scene because. But yes. I mean, it made me think of uh, Children of Time and just how stoic Kira can be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she is gonna, She just looks, if there's a problem, she faces it head on. And she is not going to shy right. away for an inch. And, you know, she's there with Odo. He's asked her, just go on your mission. And if, if I'm here when you get back, I'm here. And if I'm not, I'm not. And she's like, all right. And she goes, oh, my God, that's that would be so hard to do. Yeah, and, and Odo... Uh... I, I, you know, because it, it's one thing to be selfless and and whatever, but um, you know, but but are you know like do, does he really mean it? You know, like do mm. I, does he really want her to go? And I think Odo genuinely does want her to go. Um, and the yeah. way he fr- he's he's like, and the, he frames it in such a lovely way too, because he's like, I, I know that you watched Beryl die, you know, slowly die in this very room. And, yeah. you know, I don't want you to have to go through that pain again, you know, and, oh, just so sad. That is tragic. And yeah. Odo's looking pretty worse, pretty bad at that point. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. Not the, yeah, that is really gross. The way they yeah. make the, the, the uh, sick founders look. Mm. There's their flaky, scaly, you know, like. <laughs> Everything. There's flaky, scaly, whatever they've got. Hair. Yeah. <laughs> But it's an interesting look. But and then and then I think it's funny at the end too when um Julian gives him whatever cure, you know, he managed to make out of out of Sloan, you know, what he got from Sloan and mm. and Odo's like totally back to normal in like five seconds. Yeah. I, I thought he'd immediately <laughs> dissolve into like a pool. But yeah, like yeah. with a really weird look on his face. Right. He, he looks yeah. like he's received like a really massive shot of morphine is like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Julian says it's going to be painful. Yeah, but yeah. I, I thought that meant like the recovery is painful. Like you know, yeah. for days you're going to be gradually your body will yeah pull itself back together. But it's like right, you have a painful five seconds and then you'll be good. Yeah, <laughs> worth it in the end. Right. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so scores on the doors. All right. So the the final score, um, Lethe six. Extreme Measures 4. Well, 
So uh, a well-played episode, and I actually have to say I yeah. enjoyed them both very much. Um, Me too. And actually, they they both were they both nicely because they were both in the middle of their plot lines as well. And actually, they both right. throw in those little plot elements really nicely. Everything comes together in both those episodes really well. Yeah, this was an interesting one to compare with. Uh, I mean, Extreme Measures was an interesting one to compare with with a Discovery episode in general because Discovery is, you know, totally, you know, an, mm. an arc. Um, but this one is too because mm. it's the final arc of Deep Space Nine, and you know the the you know the predecessor yeah. of of that sort of storytelling in Star Trek. So, but this one obviously is a is a good standalone. They mm-hmm. both make made very good. good standalone episodes. I was. I was surprised when I went back to watch Lethe how how much yeah. it really did stand alone too. Like I didn't. I think it works mean? really nicely. I actually think like a lot. It does. Yeah, it's and I think right? a lot of that first season um, has sort of two, one, two, or three episode blocks where you think yeah. these three stories connect, not just to the broader narrative, but to themselves. Okay. And uh, you have this, you know, the episode. What choose your pain? That's the Klingon prison episode, mm-hmm. uh, the the Latin named episode where they're on uh, Parvo. You know, oh yeah, there there are episodes you can pick which are bang standalone. This is what happens in this episode, and I think that really works. Yeah, I agree. But this isn't a discovery podcast. <laughs> we, we've got to stop it. <laughs> For episode 10 of Snap Trek, we will be adopting an Easter theme and we will be discussing alien eggs using Enterprise's episode Hatchery and Voyager episode Parturition. We look forward to cracking those open with you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to that one. We hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of Snap Trek. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can contact us on Twitter at Snap Trek or you can contact me at strtrk1701 and jen and you can uh, contact me on twitter as well i'm at edequarks we would love to hear ideas for categories ideas for episodes to compare and any star trek poetry uh, especially related to the, some of the episodes that we have discussed all right it was lovely speaking to you all and see you next time bye bye bye